have what I call a million dollar smile. You know, they can smile and it affects people around them. You know, I'm afraid if I smile, it makes people down, you know. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, the devotee can't help from smile because we're always thinking of Krishna, things that relate to Krishna. And we see other living entities, and that reminds us of Krishna because I wonder, you know, what's your story? You know, you've got this relationship, this eternal relationship with Krishna. I can't wait to read this, you know, I can't wait. So we should think like that with all living entities. There's a, an incredible story. There are no boring stories when it comes to the relationship between Krishna and the living entities. They're all fascinating to him. So therefore, I would think they would be fascinating to us too. You know? I mean, if you can please Krishna, surely we can please Govinda Mata, right? Easier place. <laughs> <laughs> Is your wife feeling better? Yeah, she's out and about. She's not coming today? She should be here anytime. Well, she better be. I brought a gift. Yeah, she'll be here soon. Chaitanya you know, Leela's not feeling well today, though, huh? That's what I heard, yeah. I haven't seen her, but she sent me a message earlier today, so... Well, then I'll give her a gift to somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I've got enough gifts to go around. Some stuff that I bought in Vrindavan. That, you know, I have all this stuff, I forget that I have it. <laughs> I feel like the richest man in the world when I look at stuff that I have, as I have the original Radhadamadars, the traveling Radhadamadar. I have his shoes. I have his flute. I have his crown. This is collectible stuff. You know, the original Radhadamadar. And, uh, uh, you know, Kalachanji's solid silver goblet that he drank from, and uh, other Kalachanji stuff. You know, I used to have several of Kalachanji's flutes and his and Radharani's original shoes from when Prabhupada installed them, put those shoes there. And I, we auctioned them off and I was successful at the time so whenever there was an auction I would uh, bid it up and then buy them so I had all kind of, I had Kalachanji's cane you know, that he leans on and so I donated practically all of that to the Dallas Temple when I took off on the road many years ago to put into a museum you know Kalachanji's original stuff I have uh, Radharani's ankle bells that she wore from the time Prabhupada installed them. She wore them for 26 years and never took them off. Is that my gift tonight? Maybe? <laughs> Actually, no. <laughs> but maybe someday. We can have a museum here. Yeah. It's 
that your phone going, Dave, or is that someone else's phone going off? It's not mine. It's just going, doo -doo -doo -doo. I don't think I don't it's think me. It's not. No, I don't think it's me. So, yeah, we look around the devotees, we look around at our personal stuff, you know, and it'll accumulate through the years, and you'll realize, wow, what mercy I've accumulated. But it just goes on and on and on and on. So sometimes when I'm doing my morning puja, I'll just stand and look at all this different stuff, you know, and let it take my mind away. So, uh, oh no, I know. <laughs> <laughs> kind of place this is over here. <laughs> Good to see you, Bob. Good to see you, too. Where's that coming from? I don't know, because it's driving me crazy. Is it that computer there? It's, well, it started to rain a little bit, so that Mine doesn't make that noise, but it would be louder. I've got mine turned up because I don't always hear it. Okay, so it's not your phone. Yeah. Nope. Not mine. All right. Chapter 15. Did, did you figure out? I mean, it's okay. It'll be annoying, but we can get over it. It could be in the next room, I guess, maybe. Is that rain? Whoa, the rain is coming. So, chapter 15, the yoga of the supreme person. So, uh, this is a very interesting chapter, and the first couple of verses are sometimes very difficult for people to understand and comprehend. So, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on it, but I want to get it every, so everybody understands. You know, because people may ask you, what's this about this banyan tree? What's that guy's name of God? Really? Then we're going to talk about God. Here we are talking about trees. You know, so. <laughs> so a lot of people have some difficulty either explaining or, or understanding or explaining it to people. What is Krishna talking about here? But it's actually very simple. So, uh, I kind of like the way we did it last time. You want to read a verse? Why don't you kick it off? Oh, that sounds so nice. I haven't heard that in so long. Please. Shri 
has the Supreme Personality of God had said, it is said that there is an imperishable banyan tree that has its roots upward and its branches down and its leaves of the Vedic hands. One who knows this tree is the knower of the Vedas. So, what the heck is Krishna talking about? This upside down tree. So, it's Krishna is talking about uh, it's like if you are walking along a river and on the other side of the river there's a tree and then if the river isn't a fast flowing river if it's calm then you can see the reflection of that tree in the river in the water so one is the real tree it's always going to be there and the reflection is a temporary illusory reflection because the real tree has branches that go up and roots that go down like trees do and so the reflection is just the opposite its roots are going up and its branches are going down and it's a it's a, uh, an opposite reflection it's like when you look in the mirror you, uh, you're looking at a reverse reflection of yourself. You know, if you, uh, like um, the part in my hair, when I look in the mirror, is on a different side than it really is. As if I have a part in my hair. <laughs> I do, but it goes from ear to ear. <laughs> so, it's a... Uh, so this material world is a, a, a perverted reflection of the real world. There is a real world, and it's uh, it's not temporary, and it's only un, it's it's only changing in that it's ever increasing. It's ever its beauty and its glorious nature is ever increasing. It's always getting better. No stagnancy. You see so basically that is the sum meaning of what Krishna is talking about here he kicks it off by pointing out this this tree uh, Prabhupada says uh, the entanglement the entanglement in, in, of this material world is compared here to a banyan tree for one who is engaged in fruitive activities there is no end to the banyan tree. He wanders from one branch to another, to another, to another. The tree of this material world has no end. And for one who is attached to this tree, there's no possibility of liberation. So uh, we have a tendency to, and it's not because we're bad or there's something wrong with us. It's just the nature of you, the soul, when you come in contact with the material energy, the material energy has a tendency to bewilder you. And you start to think, this is my home. You know, I mean, at one point we were souls on another planet in another universe. And that was our home. Why, we had dear old mom and dad and grandma and grandpa, you see. And we had our, our politics and our beliefs and our 
way of cooking and our hit music, you see, we had all of that. And so now here we are, believing again that I belong here, this is my place. I've got mommy and daddy and grandma and grandpa and I have my hit tunes and I have my history, you know. So this whole thing is going, and we're wandering from branch to branch through this material world, this, this tree. And we're, every time we go someplace, we become bewildered by the material energy even more. So now, now you are my mommy and you are my daddy. Last time you were mommy and you were daddy, but I don't remember that. Now, and Grammy and grandpa, you see. Oh, and we have our flag, you know, and we have our army and we're so proud, you see. And yet in another life, you were so proud of another flag in another army and another heritage. So uh, you'll probably hear me harp on this subject more than anything, that whatever you do, escape the grip of this material energy. Do not let it influence you. That's the job of Maya. You came here looking for something other than Krishna. So that means illusion. Krishna is the absolute truth. But that's not what you came here looking for. You want to look for something other than Krishna. Well, there is no truth other than Krishna. It's just, you see, that's like saying, I'm looking for something other than light, but I don't want darkness. I didn't start out looking for darkness. I just wanted to get away from the light. You see, no, no. So you have come here looking for something that will give you some pleasure separate from Krishna. That doesn't exist. But because Krishna is so kind, he lets you believe it's here because that's what you're looking for. It's not there. So his pure devotee, Maya, she says, oh, welcome. As soon as you first get here, open arms, embrace, welcome. I've been waiting for you. Sit right here. What can I get you? What are your desires? Well, I want and I think and it ought to be and blah, 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 blah. And she's like, you're right. Here you go. Would you like another helping? Here you go. And so this isn't cruelty between, it's not like Krishna has this demonic energy, Maya, you see. Although we would compare uh, Maya to Satan. Of course, the Bible, is the Bible clear on whether there really is a Satan? Now this, this guy, he knows what he's talking about, trust me. He's a biblical PhD over here. You know, and I'd say you've got at least your masters. Would you say those in the model? Yes. I mean, you know. Just a lot of so, but the equivalent of Satan, who is the tempter, is it? Isn't it said that uh, Satan wants to know 
What are your desires? So Maya is like that. How can I serve you? What are your desires? That's my job. Now you've come here looking for Krishna, looking for something other than Krishna. So Krishna is not what you're looking for. Therefore, that's not what I'm going to offer you. I'm going to help you on your path to get away. So, and then we start our desires. And those desires are fulfilled. So like that. So we go branch to branch in this upside down reflection of the real world, the spiritual world, our home. And everywhere we go, we declare, this is my home. We start to declare proprietorship. It's like I was talking with a guy, this British fellow at uh, a convention one time. And I could tell he was a little inebriated. Because I could smell it when he talked. And he liked to talk a lot. And so I thought, well, it's a little slow right now, so I'll kind of get him to you know, get him going. So I said, you know, you Brits, you sailed all over the world and conquered just about everything, you know? And he, he said, yeah, we would go into a country, get off our ship and stick our flag in the ground. And we'd say, this is England now. And the natives would come up and they would say, no, this is our land. And we'd say, uh, yeah, well, where's your flag? So they were declaring proprietorship for the queen or for the king. We're taking this. Now, if you want to discuss it, we have lots of guns and men and swords. And, but if you're smart, you'll just salute the flag. You see, so the living entity has this tendency to declare proprietorship. This is mine. This is my family. This is my country. This is my heritage. This is my group of people. This is, this is where I fit into the material world. You see? And it means so much to us. You see? We'll riot for it. You see? So, any questions up to this point? Yeah, because that's real. It's real because um, this assembly in this room reminds me of Krishna. They are, they, they, all of you remind me of my relationship to Krishna, and therefore my relationship, your relationship to Krishna, so therefore my relationship with all of you. So this is true. This is home. This is just like it is in the spiritual world, in the real world. In this, in this uh, spiritual world, they do you think that they sit around sometimes and discuss Bhagavad Gita philosophy? Well, of course. 
this philosophy is so sweet, it's always cherished. Do people chant? Yeah. Do they take prasadam? Sure. They do everything that we're doing here. I've often said that this ISKCON is like training wheels for the spiritual world. We're trying to duplicate what's happening there, here. That includes our interpersonal loving relationships, you see. So that, and if we don't, then what's going to happen at the time we go back to Godhead? Are we going to, if we're not purified enough, how are we going to fit in? If I have a little bit of envy, well then when I get to see those inhabitants of Goloka Vrindavan, I'm going to be envious as hell. Let's just see how beautiful the men are. Oh my God, look at the women. Why does that guy look so beautiful? Why can he sing so wonderfully? You know, so if I take my impurities with me, it's, unless we think that maybe there's Krishna or somebody there with a magic wand, and he hits you with it when you, when you get there. Oh, ding! <laughs> no, we're working through that now. And if you're sincere, then even if you don't make it all the way, then Krishna will do it in your heart. He will, he will from within. It's like we were talking. Uh, it's like Prabhupada was asked one time. Um, Mother Malati is one of the first devotees. She was with Prabhupada in San Francisco. And she's walking with Prabhupada. And Prabhupada has two or three other devotees and this Indian doctor, PhD guy. And the guy said, Swamiji, Mother Malati was telling me this story. I think you might have been at class that day. This was in Mayapur. Yeah, she was telling the story. She's told it before many times. But So this doctor asked uh, Prabhupada, Swami, are you the only pure devotee on the planet? And Prabhupada said, no. And he turned to Upendra and he said, how many of us are there now? And Upendra said, about 35, Prabhupada said. Prabhupada said, yes, there are 35 pure devotees on this planet. <laughs> now this was in the early, early, 35 total devotees worldwide. You see, <laughs> yes, there are 35. So, so what does that mean? You start chanting Hare Krishna and ding, you become a pure devotee. What do you think, Mahanamada? What do you think? What do you think? Turning that consciousness into What do you think? Start chanting Hare Krishna, and you become a pure devotee. I mean, it's generally it's the process. Yeah. However, Prabhupada said, I heard him say this in Mayapur in 1976. I was about this close. Prabhupada was giving class from my Bhagavatam class. And Prabhupada said, if one is chanted the Maha Mantra one time, he's to be considered a realized soul. Now, what does that mean? That you need, you can stop and do it. No, it's there's a very short time before you're out of this place. 
your liberation is so near. Now, it might be a hundred lifetimes. But you're never going to lose if you're real stubborn and it has to take you a hundred lifetimes to get liberation. Well, what's a hundred lifetimes? I mean, if, if Krishna said, Hi, Michelle. Uh, I promise you that in a hundred lifetimes, you'll come you'll come back and you'll be in my embrace. How would you feel? That would be fantastic. That's a hell of a deal. Where do I sign, Where Krishna? Do I sign? You know? And I want you to sign too. Notary, notary. You see? What a deal. hundred lifetimes. Yeah. So, so yeah, you be actually are your devotee. Now, you may screw things up. It may, you may do something to delay it. You know, it's like uh, buying a ticket to India. So you buy them three months in advance. So you, I buy it today. Well, three months from now, I'm, I'm going to get on that plane. But I may decide, you know, I don't know if I want to go to India yet. I mean, with all the chanting and the dancing and the prasadam and everything, you know, I'm kind of attracted to being, maybe I'll put it off and go next spring. And then maybe the year after. So you can delay your exit, but once you start this process, you're only holding back the inevitable. That you're you're finished. You're you're liberated. You see. And you can delay that. You know. However, you get to a point where you get uh, you, you get to what I have referred to as the point of no return. There for a while, you can actually reject, you know, because you're sizing things up, balancing this philosophy, the people, you know, and, uh, and you're in that decision-making mode. You're still test driving. And from time to time, people may say, no, this isn't for me. You know, I mean, I really miss the material energy, going to clubs, eating steaks, you know. I mean, I have my causes. This trips some people up. I have my causes. I want to save the planet, save the I don't know, whatever. And I want to devote myself to that. So, my dear Hare Krishnas, thank you, but no. And you go off and be all that you can be in a different direction. Although the seed has been planted. You took prasadam, you chanted Hare Krishna, you associated with the devotees, you got a taste. So you'll probably come back in the not too distant future. But if you hang in with the process, the lights will go out. <laughs> if you hang in, and, and uh, persevere, after some time, there's no possibility that you could go back into the material energy. So what a horrible thought, you know? And if you do, it's so yucky that you, you know, and sometimes people kind of like ping pong back and forth for a while, trying to resist, you see, but you get, you get to a point where what are you going to do? What will you do from here on out? You know? 
you're you're pretty much finished. Krishna has you. It's just going to take a little bit of time for you to uh, get with it. Uh, okay. I don't know if we can. Can we read? <laughs> I don't have a phone. Oh, she's got it there. So excuse my Sanskrit. It's on the phone. What's that? Do you have the phone? It's on the phone. Oh, okay. You have another user to read on the phone. Oh, gosh. That's cute. Yeah. That's very genius. I would have never thought of that. I'm sure. Ahash, Kordbam, Chordbam, Prashtaras, Pasya, Shakaha, Muna, Bhagavina, Vishya, 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 Mahavampa, Aras, Arash, Chaha, Mulas, Karma Manu Manu Cha Okay. Very good. The branches of this tree extend downward and upward, nourished by the three modes of material nature. The twigs are the objects of the senses. This tree also has roots going down. Of human society. Oh. Would you make up your mind? <laughs> this one may be a little tough. This meter is a little different. So, na rupa ashe ashehat taho palabhyate. Can't tell if it's going to stay on or not. Nanto na chadar na chap sam pratishtaha ashwatam enu. Excuse me. Ashwatam enam suri. That's not the right meter. That's Brahma Samhita. I, I had it right earlier. Well, that's I'm doing Brahma Samhita. Oh, yeah. That's it, yeah. Asang Shastrena Vidin Nachitva Tata Padam Tat Paramang Ritavyam Yasmin Gatana Nivratani Buya Tameva Chadyam Purusham Prabhade Yata Pravriti Pasatra Pasrita Purani I still messed it up. The real form of this tree cannot be perceived in this world. No one can understand where it ends, where it begins, or where its foundation is. But with determination, one must cut down this strongly rooted tree with the weapon of detachment. Thereafter, one must seek that place from which, having gone, one never returns, and there surrender to that supreme personality of Godhead from whom everything began, and from whom everything has extended since time immemorial. So, uh, 
the weapon, the acts of detachment. How do I cut down this illusory tree? I need to become detached from it. Yes, it's here. Yes, there's a bunch of guys over there arguing with this bunch of guys over here. But that doesn't have anything to do with me and my mission. What is my mission? Huh? To seek that place from which, having gone, one never returns and surrender to the Supreme Personality of Godhead. That is the target. You see, when you're aiming at the target, something may happen over here or something may happen over there, but you're still focused. You know, you're lining the crosshairs up on your, your target. And you're determined, I will hit the target. Yeah, but we're going to go protest this. Hey, come on in. It's like water all over the temple. Water in the temple? Yeah, I went to the wires. That's what I was worried. I just wanted to come in. Wow. The water is so heavy out there. Hey, be careful. Is there this this extended cord here? Yeah. Is that? Because if there's a couple outside it. Be real careful to it, Govinda. Yeah. Unplug, unplug this cord first. Can I start plugging now? Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. 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 Monsoon is here. Yes. So this, this Krishna's making it very clear here. Detachment. I'm not attached to what's going on here. Except I want to help them. Well, that doesn't mean that let's go protest this or let's go protest that. And then when we're finished, we'll talk about God. If that is your attachment, then if I can't talk you out of it, go for it. Do it until you burn out. And in the next lifetime, if you're not burnt out, do it again on another planet in a whole new sphere with a whole new group and help them fight for something. Me, my crosshairs are on Goloka Vrindavan and Krishna, you see. So once you have this mission that I am going to Krishna, then you can help those around you go to Krishna. Does that make any sense? By not being uh, attached. That means being detached. It doesn't mean we don't care. You know, some people ask me, you know, oh, yeah. don't you care for children's rights? Yes. Women's rights? Yes. Animal rights? Yes. You name anybody's rights, I'm for their rights. Because I see them as spirit souls. And I know what your right is. Your right is to be in the embrace of Krishna. You have that entitlement. And nobody can take it away from you, except you. You can decide to go somewhere else or to avoid that embrace. But Krishna is there, come. 
Come, give us a hug. You see? So, if I can get you into Krishna's arms, have I taken care of all of your rights? And some. And some you never even dreamt of. So therefore, that is our mission. If I can get people to become devotees of Krishna, then immediately I've helped them with all of their rights. That doesn't mean that there still aren't going to be is the word repressive, repressive people in the world who will try to deny uh, this one or be cruel to that one. That is where we are. This material world is full of that. But the becoming uh, detached is not a one-time event. No, no. It's a steady Step at it, like uh, like getting to the core of an artichoke. I was going to say, <clears throat> I was going to say, like peeling an onion. But that's kind of stinky, you know. Yeah. So, like, you know, take off layer after layer of of your <clears throat> of your attachment and things that distract you from your mission of, of really getting Krishna back. You see, and, and and you don't have to be distracted. You don't have to be. So, um, so that's why some people uh, that I speak with when I'm traveling, they get kind of they act like they're getting irritated because they want to change the subject. To, well, don't you hate these people, or don't you hate that? Or, no, I don't. No, I think they're a little. <clears throat> These people, like, uh, <clears throat> don't you hate white supremacists? No, but I avoid them like the plague. <laughs> but I don't hate them. They could be dangerous, and some of them might be dangerous, you know. Uh, I'm just, I think the people who hate the white supremacists are just about as dangerous as the white supremacists. You know, they're hateful. You know, so... It's kind of like, I want to stay out of your quarrel with each other. I don't want to see any particular race denied because of their race. You know? I mean, I remember what it was like. I mean, I think Jewish people have been picked on as much as anybody. Anybody. And I was, when, when my, when, in my adult life, when the people around me found out that I had was Jewish, that my mother was Jewish, all of a sudden, I had a black friend. We worked together in a, uh, <laughs> we worked together in an office building, and he was a good buddy of mine. And they didn't, uh, this is 1968, so you can imagine. And he had an engineering degree, and he was working in the engineering department, and so was I. And, and, and you know, it was still kind of the cold shoulder, because he's, you know, and so, uh, anyway, we were friends. We'd go to, go to lunch together, and we would talk and laugh. And I would go over to his house. I knew his family, even mine. You know, we were friends. And we would tease each other, you know. So, uh, one day, somehow, I don't remember how, but some, the people in the office found out that I, was, I had Jewish uh, blood. And all of a sudden, things changed. I didn't have as many associates 
as I used to. And I told him about it at lunch one day, and he started to laugh. I said, what's so funny? Ed, his name was Ed. I remember his last name. Anyway, uh, he laughed, hit the table, and he said, you know what? Right now, you're as black as I am. <laughs> and from then on, he started calling me the, the N-word. <laughs> you know, I'd see him Monday morning, Hey, N-word, how are you, you know, N-word, you know, I, I'm not, if you say that now, even if you don't mean any people, <gasps> you know, I'm scared of people like that. <laughs> how was your weekend, N-word, you know, and I'd laugh and stuff, you know. So, yeah, I, I know what it's like. Uh, so we are not racists. You know, we're not uh, sexists. We're not speciesists. In other words, we don't say, I like to pet and love on this one, but I want to eat this one. It'd be cool. You see, we're not ists. You know. we, we are transcendental to all that, you see. And the more your heart becomes transcendentalized, the more you can have that effect on the world. Now, it doesn't mean you're going to change everybody you meet right away, but you will have your effect you first have to be that change that you want to see in the world. Actually, I didn't. That's not my said. I was going to let that float and see if anybody... <laughs> Sometimes the... Uh, well, Orky, you know, you've been to my house, and so I have a little Christian home. It's really beautiful. So I had a friend come over today, and uh, he started looking around. Because things have changed, I kind of like added some stuff, so it's a little more obvious, you know. Um, so I don't know how much Krishna can be having in my house. <laughs> 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 I'll find out, right? It's like how many people can fit into a Volkswagen Beetle? Remember those? <laughs> how many Krishnas can fit in your house? So anyway, I, so he goes, I, you must be a Hindu, and I said, No, actually, I'm not a Hindu. I'm a Hare Krishna. And so, out of the clear blue, he said, you know, and this is like, he's 28 years old, he's very buff, he's, you know, he's very, uh, you know, he's very into his uh, beauty, which is fine, you know, it's like, that's where he's at, right? Yeah. <clears throat> but he, out of the clear blue, he says, you know, I've been looking for something more. Hmm. You know, it was just because, I mean, I didn't say anything, I didn't say a thing. He said, there's got to be something more than just this materialistic existence, yeah. is what he said. Yeah. And I said, well, I've got to believe right <laughs> Just so. Just so. Yeah. So he said, well, what is this? And I said, well, it's called the Bhagavad Gita, and it's the, it's like the most famous book of India and Eastern, and it's like the basis of our philosophy. And we chant the Hare Krishna mantras, I told him that. And then there's a magazine that we now have that has uh, all kind of described, I don't know what it's called, Anyway, I, I got that. Advice. Yes, yes, yes. You know what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. That is a great introductory yes, that's a great magazine. I think I have more of those. Really so, good. So uh, he took that home then. So we'll see if we can follow up. Anyway, just the mere presence of sometimes having a, having a picture. That, I, don't, I didn't say a thing. He just, just seeing Krishna triggered that question, which I thought was very interesting. Right. So you can see. Yeah. This is demonstrate how you are having an effect, even when you didn't 
Start so out too. No, it it's like if you take uh, a light into a dark place, it has its effect. Wherever that light goes, the darkness backs away. You see, so it, it's like that. Wherever real knowledge is, ignorance gets pushed aside. So, so we're not I mean, living example. Thank you. Well, you know, I think that also. I guess the question I have is when someone has, because typically people will say, "Oh, you're a Hindu," and usually I say, "No, we're not. It's not. We're not. We're not really a religion. Um, where it's a practice. It's a whole right. life. It's a whole. It, it it doesn't negate anybody else, but um, it's you, something you different could, than being a Hindu." You could say if it's the right person, it's the object of of uh, religion. It's the object of religion. Okay. The object oh. of religion. All religions, if they're bona fide, is right. to learn to love God. Right. And serve him with love. Okay. So, but we're not, Hindus. and that's what we do. We're not, Hindus. we're not Hindus. We're not Hindus. No. Even though a lot of people say we come from Hinduism, no. but in fact, it's, it's a separate thing. Yeah, we're not Hindus. Okay. Uh, there, there's really no such thing as Hindu. Isn't that like a made up word anyway? It is. We kind of made it up, right? Well, it was, it was made up by the people who lived on the, let's see. The Muslims who lived on the is it the north north side east yeah, east. East. yeah the east side of the uh, in that time it was called the Sindhu Sindhu and the people who lived on that west side of the Sindhu the Muslims had a speech impediment and they they called them Hindus it, just because you live on the other side of the river so you, that's where that came from. yeah. But it could be understood that that encompasses many different religions, you know, and uh, practically all of them rec recognize Krishna as the supreme personality of Godhead. But they're not interested in what we're interested in. They're, we, we, they worship different demigods and whatever. That's what I was to get Hinduism is punya. more of a material gain. Yeah. 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 You know, like most religions are like that. They're they're not wanting God. I want God's blessings. You know, daily bread and lots of it, and make it gluten free while you're at it, <laughs> and all organic and non-GMO. Yeah. So there you go, God. Put her there. So we, and that's pious to use God as your order supplier. That's pious as heck. I mean, really, that. But then if you graduate above that and you think, wait a minute, I think I want to somehow or other repay all this kindness that you've given me. You know, I want to become your loving servant. I want you. I want to get closer to you. Now, now you've now religion is fructifying. Whatever that religion may be. Once you get to that point where I want a loving relationship with the supreme personality of Godhead. Religion has delivered you. It's a vehicle that will deliver you to wanting to serve God and to serving God. So whatever religion will get you there, totally bona fide. Oh, wait a minute. We're not supposed to do this anymore, right? <laughs> I can't do this. I can't live in America in 2019. What, what this is supposed to be a white supremacist. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah. Because uh, they say that 
This represents a W. How does it go? Yeah, it's a quite. Oh, and this. Yeah, I can't remember exactly this, but I remember the W before. Yeah. Oh, and the and this is like the a P for white power. So this oh, means right. Right. white power. Even if that's not what you mean. Yeah. Wow. I've never heard that before. Oh man. Well, it's like a swastika. Swastika was yes. originally an Eastern. Oh, it's the swastika is many thousands of years old, and it, it's very auspicious. You know, Hitler borrowed it for his craziness and people. So, if you see someone from India and they have a swastika on something they have, is like, oh, you're a Nazi? No, they don't. They may not even know what a Nazi is. Yeah, yeah. You know, who knows? So, this is these, these are interesting times. Yeah. About um, non-attachment, what does that mean? Does that mean I stay away from that? Does it mean I don't use it? Does it mean I don't have it? it that's, this is an excellent question. It we are always it's it's our nature as living entities to be attached. So. What we're trying to do is to get our attachment back to loving devotional service and a loving association with Krishna. Rather than being attached to uh, going away from him and keeping him at arm's length. So we that's why Krishna says you fight this illusion with detachment. Don't be a be detached. To the material world and we do that by being attached to God attached to God if you're attached to God then all of a sudden your thoughts your decisions all everything is based on that mode of pure goodness <clears throat> now I'm attached which means I'm attached to helping the other living entities I'm attached to purifying my life to be more godlike I'm attached to goodness. Uh, you see what I mean? I, I become a so I'm I, I I take my attachment from the material energy and turn it around and point it towards the spiritual energy. You see, I'm still going to be attached. So like you know, that, that great phrase of Jesus where he says, or at least attributed, he said. Be in the world, but not of the world. That's perfect, yeah. Be in the world. See, that's the, our philosophy. You're in the world, but you're not of the world. I don't know what's going on. You, you, know, you can't even do this without being called a white supremacist. I don't have anything to do with white supremacists. But if I met one, I would treat him just as nice as anybody else. You know? Give him Bhagavad Gita. Who was it that Lord Chaitanya said he had come to save? The most fallen. The most fallen. Yeah. So that doesn't that doesn't mean that I don't approach the most fallen. There was on NPR, I don't know where maybe a year ago I heard this, maybe you know that time you may have heard this. It's a guy that had been a white supremacist, had been involved with all these the neo-Nazi nonsense. But because of people's kindness to him, mm. he changed his mind. Yeah. Yeah, you remember, did you hear, hear that? Yeah, he, he transformed. 
No, not not to get off the subject, but uh, to show you how politics works, especially in America. Why are we talking about white supremacists anyway? Do you know how many of them there are? There's not even 30,000 in the whole 326 million people in the United States. And of that 30,000, that includes people who would kind of be quasi. So the hardcore dangerous guys, there's not that really that many of them. So they're powerless. I mean, in, in other words, they're kind of like a, a bug. America could just go, these guys, we don't have to pay them any attention. Why do we? With so little racism in America, and you have to admit, at least maybe you see more than I do, with, there isn't that much. You can't even go like this without being criticized. You can't use that N-word. You can't do anything like this. So there, in America, there's so little racism. Why do we hear so much about it? So ponder that. That's a question. Why is that? Just we go up. Exactly. I need your attention. I, want, I need to get you mad about something. So uh, we already have an apparatus in place, a social apparatus of shunning people who are racist. And if they're violent, they, they get punished. We have, we actually have good laws and good police forces in America. You know, so we don't have to worry about this stuff. See? So, I mean, I, I say that. It's just interesting. I always wonder why. I heard so much about it, so I did some research. I started Googling, you know, how many white supremacists are there? <laughs> they're practically non-existent. Well, you know, they're here. They only make noise because people put cameras on them. And, you know, out of a group of a gathering of 10,000 people, you might have six of them over there, and they're with swastikas, and they're doing their thing. And, they, and then the, the cameras go, who this, you know? <laughs> you know, I was, I was thinking about a similar thing. My wife was reading me the news, you know, uh, yesterday, all these bad things going on and everything. I said, you know, it's amazing to me how people will want to pay attention to these things, but they don't pay attention to things that really matter. Right, right. You know, and maybe they don't know what really matters. They've lost that, that awareness to understand what really does matter. Right. But at the same time, it's like we always get drawn towards a sensationalistic even though it's in a really small minority, it's really sensational, isn't it? Yeah, I want to know about that. Right, right. But yet we don't get that enthusiasm when it comes to our own truth, our own who we are and what we are. Because we're not in the mode of goodness. You see? If we were in the mode of goodness, did you have a question, Bob? Oh, I do, but I'm sorry. Whenever, no, go ahead. No, go ahead. Um. Well, I just wanted to ask, so I know that um, our focus is on Krishna, but for the for social issues that are occurring that if people didn't speak or stand up against would kind of run rapid, you know, like the Holocaust. I mean, it needed some opposition, right? Yeah. So what is the role or how do we understand that in 
as a Krishna conscious person, our role as in activism for social issues? We're active in trying to get people to get into spiritual consciousness. That is our activism. That includes uh, that includes looking out for the planet. If I see this as Krishna's property, I'm not going to mistreat it. You see, that includes looking out for you name the group. So it's a very individual thing, as opposed to say um, writing letters to the government or trying to build coalitions with community agencies. I mean, I'm speaking from the Right. And and that's still gonna be there, especially for people like you, you see, because that's your occupation. But your best work, I would think, would be on an individual basis, changing hearts and minds and yeah. lives. But if you just go to the government and the other agencies without changing the hearts and minds and of other of the individuals, yeah. I don't think that I don't think we can leave a, leave a whole lot up to the government to do. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, but, um, and it's not because they're bad, but it's because it's, it's, it's like there's laws and, and systems in place that will suppress people or oppress people. Um, so pushing against that. Seems like I don't know. It feels like we need to do that in some way. Yeah. So maybe a little bit of both, kind of working at the system level and, and individual. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not. I, I may not be up to date on just how much oppression there is in America. I don't see much. Now there's always going to be a few nutcases that do try to oppress. You know, this one or that one. But I'm talking on a wide scale, you know. Uh, I saw things change drastically in the in the 1980s, you know, on oppression in the workplace and in different aspects of our society. But I mean, if someone oppresses an individual, uh, boy, we've got a beautiful apparatus to deal with that. It's against the law. So does that make any sense? Yeah. I don't see, and I could be wrong, but I don't see it out of my, through my own eyes as to being an epidemic that we have to focus on. Yeah, not focus on, but not also ignore. Yeah. There, are, there is some evidence for some really deplorable conditions. And yeah. it means that people would not speak up against that, that would just continue. Right. But now here's another thing, because I'm I'm such a curious person, I always want to get down drill down to what's really happening. So when I hear the all right, first of all, I could show you clips, film clips that I found just from searching, but uh Bill Clinton and Barack Obama both say that one of our main duties, I could show these to you, I have them saved. One of our first du duties to this country is to have borders. We need stronger border patrol. 
We need to stop the flow of illegal immigrants, not migrants. He used the word illegal immigrants, illegal aliens into our country. We need a, a border wall or some restraint. Bill and Barack both said that. And with, you know, how politicians say, we, you know, Bill is like, we need it now. <laughs> and Barack is, we need it. We need it now. You know, this is our duty as American. So anyway, this whole thing was started uh, really by Bill Clinton. Now, at the time that, I don't like to get off on them, but we'll, we'll, we'll go there. At the time that, uh, that we cracked down in the Clinton era of uh, the infiltration uh, of people coming into the country, when someone was caught breaking in to the country, you get here illegally, well, that means you're a criminal, right? It's like that in, in other countries. If I try to get into jolly old England, well, I'm a criminal because I'm, I'm getting in without papers. Okay, so they've always, like if, if someone were to uh, discover there's a meth lab in that apartment over there, mom and dad and three kids, and they're running a meth lab. So the police come to arrest them. They're not going to put the kids in jail with mom and dad. Child Protective Services takes the children. Mom is going to go to one facility. Dad's going to go to another. It's always been that way. As far back as I know in my lifetime, I've never heard of people arresting a family and putting them together in a, a condominium, you know, you know. So it's been that way since even before the Clinton era. But, you know, family, if, they're, if they caught a family coming across the border illegally, well, they didn't, they didn't have a facility to put them in a... I mean, what would they have? I understand. You see? So the, in other words, it's nothing new. No, I, I understand. I just wonder the role of in culture pushing against some of those... I want to use the word deplorable from what I can see is we have X number of facilities you know to along through Texas and New Mexico Arizona and some in California uh, detention facilities to handle illegal aliens and also facilities to handle uh, migrants, people that are coming here for political asylum. So I don't think anybody would say, why don't we just take down the fence and let them all in? We can't do that. You know, I mean, a lot of people that came here legally would say, well, wait a minute. How come you're letting these people just walk in? You know, when you come back in from, from Mexico down in uh, Nogales, you know, you got to go through there. You can't just walk in. You got actually. So we. I'm sure nobody really wants to just take that away and let anybody. Some people do. Some of the people do. Maybe they do. They say that now, but I think if they really thought it over, they'd say, "No, nah, no, nah, we need something." So, but when the facilities that you have, when you get this influx of people, 
and you exhaust those facilities. Now they're overcrowded. So then am I to go down there to those people and say, you're being cruel. You've got 10 people where there should be five. And the guy says, I didn't mean to. <laughs> I mean, the bus came up and I had these people get off and I had to put them somewhere. <laughs> you see? So, but from what I've also found in research, because I'm just curious, I'm just curious about these both sides, you know. Uh, we don't hear about the facilities to where they have really nice facilities, very nice living, very nice. As a matter of fact, most of them are. You know, there's game rooms for the children, snacks are provided 24 hours a day, they get, you know, so there's a lot of, so what I'm saying is this, the material energy is trying to, I've got one side over here that might try to tell me nothing's wrong, and I've got one side over here that's trying to tell me everything's wrong. Well, the truth is somewhere in the middle, and I'm not sure what, where, you know. I think when I go to El Paso again, I'd like to go check it out myself because I'm hearing both sides. And I've met and, and I know some border uh, patrol people and they seem like really nice people. I've met them in El Paso. They're professional, well-trained, nice, you know. So is there some abuse? I'm sure. I'm sure. So, but I, I really think that we have it under control. I really think we do. Now, I could be wrong, but I have a feeling that we have it under control. And that there's, uh, I think they just either passed or tried to pass a four and a half billion dollar bill to get more money down there. You know, let's, let's get more money. Let's build more facilities. So, does this make any sense? Yeah. One, one thing I think to your original question was, you know, in, in, in the fourth devotees, you know, how acid you get with something like that. I think, and I'm not wrong, I think we look at things from uh, more of a foundational cause. You know, what's the foundational cause of all the ills in the world? You know, we have a lot of problems in the world. We always will have issues and problems and things like that. It's not to say not to be active with trying to help in that way, but also never forget the fact that where does this conditioned mind come from? Yeah, All these problems come from the very fact that people are not Christian conscious. Yeah. You know, they're lying conscious. And that, that's where all the problems come from. So it's like almost like if we're just active in, yeah. in, in these things, we don't, it's like putting a band-aid on something or taking care of symptoms, but not really taking care of the root of the problem. And so that's that's where we never try to lose focus on what the root problem really is. Right. No, it's exactly right on. I mean, it's just like uh, in 1975, Prabhupada met in Chicago with the chief of police. He came to visit Prabhupada. Prabhupada said, if you give me, Prabhupada said, when we were riding through the city, I saw so many places, buildings that were closed down. If you give me access to those buildings, we will feed every hungry person in Chicago. So this was Prabhupada's reaction. I see hungry people, homeless people, and you have empty buildings. I'll cover the cost. We will cook, we'll procure, 
cook and serve the food. You just give me a facility. Let me use that vacant building. And the police chief said, well, no, then we would be for showing favoritism to one religion. And he shot it down. And Prabhupada said, this is nonsense. I'm offering to feed every hungry person in Chicago out of my own pocket. Now, we'll make the money. Krishna will send the money for us to do. That was his faith in Krishna. But it's a political thing. No, no, we, Swami, we can't let you do that. But thank you for an offer. So then the hungry people were still on the street. So the devotee thinks like that. You give me the resources and I'll solve your problem. We can solve these problems. You see? So, uh, but it's part of, this is part of our detachment and attachment that I'm talking about. We need to be not detached from the suffering of people, but we don't want to be influenced by someone trying to influence me to get all upset about something that may not be as bad as they're making it out to be. While somebody else is trying to make it out like it's a whole lot better than it really is. You see what I mean? We're detached. You know? Of course we, we don't want anyone suffering. Uh, after there was that Hurricane Katrina, the devotees came forward and fed tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people. No help from the government. No, nothing. You see, they just did it like that. And they didn't have permits to do it. They just went and did it. So, so it's the nature of the devotee to do like that. You know, we feed refugees in West Bengal all the time. You know, that's just what we do. So if we can get people to do like and think like us, then these things will go away. We'll still have immigrants and even illegal immigrants. And we'll have a, still have a process to deal with them. And it, would, I think, would probably be a little bit more humane than it is now, but I don't know how inhumane it is. All I know is what they're trying to tell me on the Internet, and it's coming, and it's like all over the map. And when I see that, I know it's you guys fighting you guys. Leave me out of this, you know. Just leave me out. You fight it out. There's a truth out there somewhere. I'll find it one of these days. Or not. But I'll, I'll go on with my missions. Yeah. I was going to say, if they made it really nice for the people coming, the legal immigrants, have like child care, have teachers, have everything, and the people... The other people are still back in their countries. I think this is great. Let's all go over there. Well, they so, actually, in some facilities they actually do that. They so actually have like that. ten times as yeah. many people come. And some are swamped, and there are too many people in too small a space. So, but yeah, and you know, America's never closed its doors to to legal. Immigration. If you want to come here, we got a process. Got to get in line though, because we can only handle so many. I have some Hispanic friends in San Antonio, and they're enraged. They they don't like illegal immigrants. You know, they say 
my great 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 grandfather came here, you know, or whatever, legally. So why would anybody have you have you seen that in the Hispanic community? That's they're angry or they're, they want us to do more from the ones that I talk to in, and I'm talking to many of them in San Antonio as well as El Paso, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I travel in, that, in those areas and I get their opinions, you know. I mean, that's one, I've had several of them, but one guy was telling me, I'm as Mexican as anybody else. When I go home to my family, my wife and I and my kids, we don't speak anything but Spanish. We eat Mexican food. <laughs> my parents were Mexican. We're Mexicans. But my great-great-grandfather went through this process. So we're all as American as anybody else. So I'm as Mexican as anybody, and I'm as American as anybody. And I thought, well, I've never heard that. That's kind of cool. Yeah. There's nobody out there that's more Mexican than me, and there's nobody out there that's more American than me. And I can prove it. I got a birth certificate. <laughs> so these are good points. It's a good conversation. My point is the material energy is always kind of confusing, you see. And with faith in Krishna, Krishna will empower those, the proper parties who are willing, who are surrendered to him, to solve these situations, you see. We, we could change everything if we got the facility. We could change it all. We're not looking for profit, fame, recognition. We don't want any of that. But you give us the, you give us the resources that you're pouring into that border, and we'll make it work. I can guarantee you that. I know we can do that. And if you don't, I don't care if it's a Democrat or Republican who's in office. When we had Democrats, and they didn't make it work. And they were beating on the desks saying, we're going to do that. You know? They leave that open. Yeah. We're just kind of got sidetracked. And we've just been kind of. No, we've been talking about that. Well, I got to record it, so I'm going to come. Yeah. But I mean, we got into all kinds of stuff. So. <laughs> so I'm going to go on. Do we have time to go on? Yeah, I mean, right now it's not looking great, so I I don't, I wouldn't think so. So if you want to, should we go on? It's six. It's. Almost. Good to see you. Take care, Humpster Balaram. Don't don't go into any flowing water. Gee, I wonder if I can get back up on the hill. Because there's all these, us a few of them. You know, with a sign, do not enter the water. Yeah. All right, Krishna goes on. He says, those who are free from false prestige, illusion, and false association, who understand the eternal, who are done with material lust, 
who are free from the dualities of happiness and, and distress. Sukha dukkha. Happiness and distress. And who unbewildered know how to surrender unto the Supreme Person attains to that eternal kingdom. So listen to what he's saying. Free from false prestige, illusion, and false association. False association is what we were just talking about. You got the people over here trying to convince you and the people over here kind of trying to convince you. Neither one of them are giving you the full truth. So that's false association. I don't want to... If you're going to... What if you had a friend that every time you talked to him, he exaggerated everything tremendously? We talk about it. I do that all the time. <laughs> well, you're who I'm talking about. <laughs> but you know, if you have some... I, I've known people, I'm sure we all have known people, they always exaggerate and it's drama. Well, first of all, they're not a lot of fun. And they're not somebody you go to it for advice, you know, because they're going to make a big drama and all this thing out of it. You just want to know, hey, what's your opinion on? So that's what we have. You got the left and the right, and uh, I saw this cartoon one time. What would you say if I told you that the left wing and the right wing were part of the same bird? <laughs> <laughs> so the devotee sees like that. You've got your intense opinion, and you've got your intense opinion, and so do I. Krishna, chant Hare Krishna. So, uh, that supreme abode of mind is not illuminated by the sun or moon, nor by fire or electricity. Those who reach it never return to this material world. Because uh, that world is self-eliminated. You see? It's, it's, here we have to turn the light on, as we can see, to have light. But in, in Krishna's abode, it's self-eliminating. All the planets of the Vaikuntas give off their own light. You see? By the way, that's my phone ringing. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. yeah. it, 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 my phone's on silent right now. It's making noise. Yeah, yeah. So it's no wonder we couldn't find it. Yeah. Like, yeah. Rana's like, she's tuned in. So she wrote, like, what's all this noise coming through? Like, beeping. <laughs> oh. Oh. Where, where, is she home? Yeah, yeah. Oh, good. She made it home. All right, let's do another verse, and then we'll have some discussion, and we'll finish up next week if you want to. Oh, we only made it to verse 7. So. <laughs> the living entities in this conditioned world are my eternal fragmental parts. Due to conditioned life, they are struggling very hard with the six senses, which include the mind. Really enormously important verse. Krishna says right there, the living entities in this conditioned world are my eternal fragmental parts. Never was there a time when you, the living entity, were not a fragmental part of Krishna, nor will you ever cease to be a fragmental part and parcel. You are part, always have been. 
It's just you're having some difficulty with your consciousness now, which is influenced by this world that we're trying to get through. I'm trying to get to Krishna, and someone is saying, Hey, what about this problem? And then I say, Well, no, I'm trying to get to Krishna. And then someone says, Don't listen to them. Everything is really perfect. You know, well, no, it's not. You're wrong, and I'm sorry, but you're wrong too. And, you know, <laughs> what is the truth? Uh, I don't know if I really want to take the time to find out, but I kind of do. You know, I kind of do. But I kind of don't. I really want to stay on my course. Otherwise, if I get entangled trying to do this or that, I'm going to lose my course, and I can't help you or you or anybody. Except maybe persuade you to go over here and hate them, or go over here and hate them. Now, we could probably take our energies and do very good at that. We could be just as good as anybody else at distributing hate, you know, or campaigning for an idea or a concept. If you can, if you have some ability to campaign for an idea or a concept, why not make it Krishna? Why not campaign for the concept that you are an eternal, fragmental part and parcel of the Supreme Godhead? Do you have any energy? Why not? I mean, we're, we're not going to win the battle of making this world a perfect place. It ain't going to happen. I mean, for the next 9,500 years, things are going to be pretty good in, in, in this world because of the, Lord, uh, the, the golden age of Lord Chaitanya. You can chant Hare Krishna and get out of, get out of jail free. You see? But then after that, after that 9,500-year <clears throat> uh, window closes, this place is going to, what do they say? Hell in a handcart. I don't know what that means. Hell in a handbasket. Huh? Hell in a handbasket. Hell, hell in a handbasket, yeah. But even during the 500 years, look at all the terrible things that have happened. You know, like, but look at all the wonderful things that have happened. Well, that's true, too. But I'm thinking like big things like the Holocaust and the war and World War One, World War Two. Yeah. Because of man's greed. Yeah, no, that's the point. Why do bad things happen? Is it, I don't know, Satan? <laughs> Why do bad things happen to you? Karma. I can't, you know, I mean, some people have karma. I, uh, I've said it before, I had a rotten childhood, home life, you know. Whose fault was that? Was it my stepfather's fault because he was a jerk? No, I, I bought that karma. I paid for it in some other lifetime. You know? What goes around comes around. As you sow, so shall you reap. For every action, there's an equivalent opposite reaction. That is there. So can we remove the suffering from mankind? Think about this. Yes, make them devotees. And then whatever karma they have coming is going to be mitigated in their practice of devotional service. If you're sincere enough, Krishna might take it all away. You might take away the bad karma. You know? But if we just try to improve economics or uh, 
societies, if we try to improve like that, we're going to fail because people will continue sinful activities and they will continue to receive sinful reactions. If we can curtail their sinful activities, we can have an impact on their sinful reactions. What to speak of trying to get them to generate Krishna? See? So we can change. I mean, we, we can have a huge impact on the world. But it's not for by campaigning for this one or for that one. We don't want either, either one of those guys. They have brought us to where we are. <laughs> I was astonished when I was hearing pre previous leaders say, we need to build a wall. So nowadays, that same party says, it's inhuman to want to build a wall. I mean, it's the same. I think that I think Trump plagiarized the previous guys. Because I can show you these tapes, you know. And, and they were like, I think he heard this and he thought, well, that's what I'm going to say. I mean, it worked for them because people were like, yay! You know, like thousands of people cheering, yay! So <laughs> he says it and they all go, boo! <laughs> I mean, it's, it's funny, but it's not really funny. You know, it's kind of sad. So, so these guys that are fighting against each other, they haven't done a very good job, have they? If things are messed up, well, they've been kicking the football back and forth for generations from one party to the other, you see. And they've led us to where we are right now, if you say it's that bad. If you say it's that bad, then they got to take the hickey for it. I think it's incredibly wonderful, regardless of what suffering may be happening, because uh, because of Lord Chaitanya's mercy, we have 9,500 years left of this get-out-of-jail-free. No qualification. You don't have to do anything special. Use Chattari Krishna. It'll have its effect. That'll make you do some devotional service. You'll seek out the association of other people that are serving. You will wind up with Krishna. Actually, not conceptually, really. You can get Krishna here and now. When the window closes 9,500 years from now, then it's not going to be uh, possible. Isn't it for the whole Kali Yuga that the, the strength of the Holy Name is the Yuga Dharma for the, for the next 428,000 years? It's Yuga Dharma, but that window of opportunity, that 10,000 year opening that Lord Chaitanya brought, is going to close. Now, yes, if you can find the Holy Name, you can, it'll still deliver you. But pollution is going to be horrible. It's going to happen just the way the Bhagavatam says. Food shortages, mankind will be reduced to, to like ape-like creatures. We're going to lose this uh, technology. We're going to lose this. There's not enough resources to let everybody waste as much as we waste. It's not fair.
so we're going to destroy it and start to destroy ourselves. But for 9,500 years, this is a good place to be. This is the best place to be. You see? Uh, prior to, 500 years ago, prior to Lord Chaitanya's arrival, this place wasn't a very good place. You see? I mean, if we know history, what was going on? There were countries slaughtering other countries. The Crusades were going on. It was Game of Thrones. Huh? It was Game of Thrones. It was, yeah. It was. That's the way the world yeah. did. You don't. I don't like your color. I don't like your religion. And my army is going to kill you. We want your fertile land. That's it. That's the way it was before. Look at history up until 535 years ago, and then things suddenly changed. So 9,500 years from now, it's going to go back to that barbarian mm -hmm. tribe, conquering tribe, mm -hmm. for resources. I need water. I need land. I need food. We need wood to burn to keep from freezing. You have resources. I need them. I don't think you're going to give them. You have to die. Mm -hmm. You know. Now, we, we're not going to be able to to change that. So any Yuga when it starts, the initial time is better than the later time for the Yuga? Yeah. Like age, age. What is it? Uh, the four Yugas together, what is that? Uh, Chatur Yuga. Yeah, Chatur Yuga. When it starts over, it starts over in Sa uh, Saki Yuga. So when Saki Yuga started, it was Initially, and then it started to worsen. It starts then, to worsen slightly. Yeah, very slowly. Yeah. And then the next year, it increased. Yeah. Introduced as the Yugas progressed, yeah. and there's more and more virus. Disease, pestilence, these things start to. But in the beginning, Satyu, it's like Hawaii on steroids. You know? <laughs> it's like heavenly plant. Yeah, it's like heaven. It's heavenly. People live long 100,000, 200,000 years. So when Kriya Yuga started, then it became better again. Yes. Yeah. Uh -huh. so it gets a little, a little less, and then Kali Yuga less, yeah. and then towards the end of Kali Yuga, it's going to be. This is going to be a very hellish planet. Yeah. And there is no way to change that. There's no need to change that. We just need to get the heck out. So part of this, it's just like if, if you were if you were incarcerated in a prison, so and you think after some time, I need to get out of here. I just need I need to go, really. I can't stay here. I need to go. So then you may spend some time learning a little bit about this prison that you're in. You see, how thick are the walls, how many guards are there? Where are the weaknesses to the system? Like this movie I saw in the, in the 80s, Sawshank uh, Redemption. That guy, it took him years, like over 10 years, maybe 20 years, to figure out his surroundings. And he figured out a way out. You see? So that's us. 
we only need to learn the workings of this place enough to know how to not be ensnared by it and how to escape it. And that way we can use spiritual knowledge to get out when we get it. Yeah. I really appreciate that analogy of, you know, everything as a, I mean, this world as a prison, because going back to my initial questions, I was struggling to understand, but now I really see the futility of these tiny little battles within the system, the material system. Right. Exactly. You just need to get out of here. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know the more I think about it, the prison thing is good because if you're in prison, you may have a group of people over here yeah. and they hate, the of prisoners. They, yeah, they hate yeah. this group of prisoners over here and they're fighting yeah. and they may even try to recruit you. Mm -hmm. You better be with us or, you know, and so you're thinking, my God. <laughs> people get commissary so they're, they're living life high on the horse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We need to equalize the rights of the people in the prison. Now we just need to get out. I need to get out of here. Yeah, I see. And for now, I might want to tell you, yes, I'm with you. You got you got my vote. Chuckle, yeah, chuckle. Short, short thinking is like short-sighted. Yeah. It's very short-sighted. Yeah. And along, as you go through this prison, you may find a, a, a few people like you that are saying, got any ideas on how we can get the heck out of here? And you may find someone that says, yeah, you know, I've been here a long time, and I've been studying this, and I think I have a plan. Yeah, say, yeah and the Shawshank Redemption movie is a really good analogy for that, because there's a gentleman who was totally focused on one goal. One goal? And that was to get out. And right. he didn't get caught up in all the prison politics. And else. He did enough he had to do, yeah. but his goal was always right. to get right. out. He dug with a spoon. He did everything. He did it. He did it. A so, pocket full a day. A day. A little gravel he threw on the ground. And, you know, and he, amazing. He, did so, you see that movie? Yeah. 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 He would go. That's a great analogy. Yeah. He had a, a, a hole in his pocket. So when he came out of his room, he'd have a pocket full of the pieces of the wall. And he would stroll them around as he walked. Talk about patience. And until he made a hole big enough that he could get through. <laughs> Single-minded in his goal. Yeah. And he even had people believing that he was part of the system. <laughs> so this is... So the devotee needs to, to think like that. My goal is to leave. And I want to take as many as I can with me. As a matter of fact, we can all help each other get out of here. And if someone says, well, don't you think we should stay and help these people? You know, shouldn't we stay and help this guy fight this group over here? No, let's get out of here. Let's, we'll give them a chance to go with us. But let's not lose sight of the goal. We want out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Steve McQueen? Yeah. Yeah. But that's that's where we are. That's our situation. So, and it, some people may say, well, it seems like you're a little. Uh, uncompassionate to, to not want to stay and help it's like this lady told me a couple of weeks ago um, the planet needs us I don't want to go we don't need to be focused on leaving the world the planet needs us if we, we should be reincarnated here to help the planet and I told her my, my dear lady no 
The planet does not need you. I mean, that's pretty, that's making a lot of yourself, isn't it? You know? No, no, you need the planet right now, but the planet doesn't need you. Come on, you know. George Carlin, the comedian, used to say, the planet's going to be fine. You're the one that's going to go. <laughs> yeah. The planet's going to be fine. And even if we give the planet a black eye, as soon as we're all gone, it's going to be nice. You know? Besides, at the end, it's all going to be sucked back in and blown back out. A whole new one. So we're not. And I'm not saying we're not compassionate to people's suffering. You know, other people's suffering cause us to suffer, because we want to help them. But the only medicine that we have that will truly help them is to get them on the path out of this place. You know? I like how Ron Swami put it in the video that he says where, you know, you need, you need little Swamis like me as well. You need both, he says. I kind of like his perspective. Well, you need like both, so, yeah. Because the lady that, there was this, there was this, if you've seen the video, you know, Context of the videos, essentially, this lady was like, she came up to Ron Hopsani. She's like, What are you doing about, you know, this current situation, blah, 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 whatever the situation might be? All you guys do is just chant your mantras all day and do this thing, that, blah, blah, blah. So then he, he, he gave the analogy of, uh, of if there's a disease in the blood and we only treat the boils and we don't really get to the, to the bottom of the problem. So then he says, so we need both. We need swamis like me and we need people like you. And she was able to see that and they were really able to, uh, she was able to see, uh, understand and appreciate his contribution. Although she obviously might not fully understand and see that that's actually greater, but she was able to appreciate understanding through that analogy. Yeah. You can get it. It's like karma yoga. It's like, you know, there's those who, they just dedicate their life to the spiritual mission. But then now, you know, there's different entrepreneurs and people coming up with ideas how to do things in a more sustainable way. Mm -hmm. So there's at least, you can also like, do that as a job, it's like a career, be more involved in those things, but their primary mission is to you know, spread Christian to be a devotee. Exactly. But they just don't fail that. Just because we're into renewable energy and, and that doesn't mean that we've lost sight of our goal. Our goal is to get out of here. Right, we don't just hide in the barracks somewhere yeah. and say that. But in the meantime, we can fix a little here and fix a little there. You know. Well, it's that both and concept as opposed to either or. Yeah, exactly. Does that make any sense? Yeah. Like it's just actually what you were just saying. It's both and. You can, you can do both as long as you keep the top priority. As long as you keep the, the, priority. Your, the priority in mind. Yeah. thinking, how can I, how can I do this to, to create a, a situation or an environment that's more conducive for Krishna consciousness? Oh. To be able to bring more right. devotees in. Yeah. So, so I mean, it's, 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 it's evident without being dramatic. Right. If you look at it, uh, that this the, the, the current situation cannot continue. Because by the year 2030 or 2035, I hear maybe sooner, who knows, India and China are going to, their, their uh, uh, no, their way of life, their consumption, 
you know, they're, uh, is going to equal ours. Now, we're, we use 25% of the world's resources, and we're 3% of the population. So India and China together are almost half of the population. So when, when their economy reaches our scale and people are consuming, when the average person over there consumes at the rate we are, you can do the math. There's not enough. So it's not going to be climate change. You know, we're trying to kill the wrong snake here. There's going to be, we, we have to change the way people consume. Because there's not, it's just not going to happen. When you get 1.3 billion uh, Indians and 1.4 billion Chinese and other countries too <laughs> that are consuming at the rate we are, we're going to have to struggle and fight and have wars over resources. You know? So, I mean, that's just plain math. So this way of life that we have right here today, that can't endure. By 2040, that's going to be all gone. So it would be really nice if we or someone could introduce a society that could raise cows, grow food, purify water on a natural way. You know, we need to come up with alternative fuels. Well, gee whiz, if you have cows, you've got all kinds of alternative fuels. You've got cow dung, which you can dry and use to cook. You've got ghee, which you can burn and cook with. And you see? Yeah. I mean, we're already doing that. Like in a, uh, uh, our farm in Hungary. They don't have any electricity. It's a beautiful place. This big marble temple and these beautiful houses. You know, this, like I think there's 40 houses that there. No electricity. And they live off the land and the cows. And they live very, very well. Very well. Everyone's clean. They have nice, beautiful cloth. Does that bother you really good? It's annoying, but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's no, it's okay. No, no, it's okay. It's okay. Maybe it's better they don't. Maybe it's better they don't see me. No, I can still see you. There's a nice. Yeah, it's kind of fun, you know. But at our farm there, uh, this, you go into this beautiful temple room. It's huge. And the altar is exquisite. Hand-carved marble. And uh, the, the deities are so breathtaking. And they heat with wood. Of course, they have tremendous forests, but they, they heat with wood. And the water is piped in from the from the furnace, the wood furnace. It's piped in through the, uh, a network of tubes underneath the floor. So there's no hot air blowing or anything like that. And I've been there when it was like two feet of snow outside and way cold. And inside, people are wearing short sleeve kurtas because it's heat's radiating up. The floor is warm. Marble floor instead of cold, it's warm. You know, 
And for Mongolarchy, they have uh, ghee lamps. No electricity. Kind of like the way things were, maybe around the time Lord Chaitanya came. You know? So we're going to go back to the pre-Chaitanya or Chaitanya era. We're going to go back there. The devotees will know how to live. We're going to live the way they lived in, in, in the area where Lord Chaitanya lived. We'll know how to do that. All we have to do is just embrace our, our uh, Gaudiya Vaishnava culture. He's in Hungary. Yeah. He's Hungarian. Yeah. I was going to say that uh, one of the things that the people on the left go after the uh, Green New Deal, they claim the cows are causing a big problem for the global warming. Yeah. They're trying to kill the long snakes. You know. So is climate changing? Yes. When did that start? What? Day one from creation, climate's been changing. It's so that, yeah. I mean, now the question is, are we contributing to it in our way of life? Is it the greenhouse gases or whatever they call them now? Uh, is that doing it? Uh, I don't think so. I don't really think so. I don't think we're kicking out enough gas. I mean, I've been through this before in my lifetime. I remember when the ozone layer was in danger and we were all going to be sunburned to death. And what about like the taking all the oil out of the earth? Doesn't that destabilize the earth? No. no. We asked Prabhupada about that in 1973, 74. It's nonsense. Oh, okay. He said that the... The Earth will, if she decides, she will withhold her resources. So, Mother Earth can give forth or withhold resources. It's not just an, an impersonal rock, you see. So, so, I'm not saying that we're on the right track in our society that we should consume, consume, consume. I'm not saying that, because we all can't do it, so it's not practical to continue this way of life. The Western way of life is really what's killing things. Killing the soul, mostly. Yeah, it's not, it's not the Eastern way of life. India, I mean, in Mayapur, things haven't changed since the time, a lot of things haven't changed since the time of Lord Chaitanya when he was here. They still plow the fields with bulls. You see, they still, there's farm villages that live off the cows. They're not going to be affected in India so much, in the country anyway, so much when the lights go out, when there's no more. They're going to continue doing it the way they've done it for thousands of years, the way they're doing it today. You know. Yeah. I did this one uh, course in college, a science course, and the professor was atheist. And I remember one of the classes he showed this graph of, of 
like the weather over the over the decades historically. And it was just like you said, it was like just way, way up and down the whole time. It looked like just like a, a stop or something. Yeah. It, was like, it wasn't even like small things, it was like large things or something down. In the fifteen hundreds, Europe didn't have a summer. There was no, it stayed winter. And in the 1600s, it didn't have a winter to speak of. So, I mean, these things have happened. Why? Now, these changes that, that you were talking about that have always happened were not due to carbon dioxide emissions. So before the emissions were there, these changes were still happening. You see? And as they explore by looking in the ice, they can tell. Well, the, this is about, you know, so many thousand years ago, and this is, or at least they're speculating. They tell me that they, they know. They know what was, you know, what the climate was like at that time. Maybe they don't, I don't know. But, so these changes have been there. And, and I've seen PhDs, I've seen films by PhDs that make a, a point that, <clears throat> that we've had changes all along and it hasn't been due to CO2 emissions. So why should we assume that it is now? I'm willing to go there if you give me evidence, but why should we go there if it wasn't before? The changes were there, but what was the excuse? Aliens tampering with the world or what, you know, could be, you know. So, we don't know. We don't know. We don't know what that problem is. As far as the age of Lord Chaitanya, I don't know. What's it going to be like 9,000 years from now? 500 years from the end of the Golden Age? I don't know. <clears throat> I just... If I've read that or heard that, I don't remember. But it's going to be good. Although that doesn't mean that we're going to have big cities and great cars and technology. No. It's going to be good in that we're going to have a world of people that will be living off the land. They'll be taking care of the cows. We won't be destroying the planet. Not that we can destroy the planet, but we are having a negative impact on just all kinds of things that we're doing, not just CO2 emissions. I'm suspicious about this this whole thing, you know. I don't know. Well, you can go ahead and shut it down. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Sayonara, Hare Krishna. I think uh, oh, Robert Robert's watching. Oh, is he? Yeah, oh, Robert was watching. But I, it, it doesn't tell me who's on it. Used to, but not anymore. It could be Frank. It could be Radha. I think it might be Radha because she's been watching. She oh. watching from the parking lot. Jai Guru Day. This was earlier uh. when it was pouring. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was caught in the parking lot. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I'm really skeptical about this whole 
because it was global warming and then they changed it to climate change because they couldn't substantiate the global warming thing. And I always, I always think wherever there's money, big money to be made, there's some sort of, people don't make large fortunes for the better of, of mankind. They do it out of greed. And when there's big money on the table, I'll tell big lies if I have to, as long as I can get away with it. So I don't believe this. I remember when um, Al Gore ran ag against George Bush for president in 1999. His net worth at that time was just under $2 million. So he lost George Bush after eight years in the White House. At the end, I remember hearing again, reading somewhere on the internet, his net worth had grown to uh, $108 million. So he made $106 million in eight years with his thing that he was doing, you see. So today, he's worth over $300 million. Now, the, the, I, I lived a lot of years in Tennessee, and I know that the Gore family was never very wealthy. You know? So he found, he found a way... And also all the time that he was, when he was living in Nashville, because I have friends in Nashville. When he was living in Nashville, he was driving, he was, he was preaching against overconsumption of energy. You know, he was the, the Al Gore story. And he was being driven around in all, in all these big uh, Suburbans, you know, Chevy Suburbans, gas guzzlers. He flew on private jets which use a lot of energy, and his footprint for his property in one of the most exclusive neighborhoods in Nashville was 27 times greater than the average in that area. I mean, come on, Al. <laughs> and then as soon as he got rich, he divorced his wife, you know. You know, the girl he was kissing when he was nominated for the Democratic candidate? You remember, I don't know if you remember that romantic kiss that they made. You know, well, as soon as he got rich, he got rid of her. <laughs> so, I, I'm sorry. It's hard for me to take see sincerity in people who are really going for the big bucks. Now, what did he actually do? to produce $300 million of wealth. He took a trend that was already happening, and then he said, this is the, this is the cause for it. He rode that trend. It was just like, you know, you could say that anything was. <laughs> Speaking convention after convention, promoting products and industries in that field, you know. You don't get 300 million bucks for just going around telling the truth. So he promoted. So, and I remember, maybe you remember, you guys might remember, it was like in the 80s, we were told by somebody else, I don't remember who it was, we had 12 years to go before 
it, we were, it was the, the point of no return. As so you're saying now also. Now they're saying it again. You're not seeing what she says. You've got 12 years. Yeah. And they were saying that back in the 80s. We got, yeah. at the current rate, we've got 12 years, and then there'll be the point of no return, and we can't save the planet. Don't you think these people are trying to, I mean, people aside, the message is we're over-consuming resources. That has been kind of the underlying message all along, right? So, I mean, 12 years, maybe not, but I mean, we are headed towards loss of our resources due to overconsumption. Yeah. I agree with that. I agree. Our overconsumption. And the rest of the world is going to start to consume at our rate. Mm -hmm. I was going to say in our lifetime, but I don't know. Will I be alive? Then? Let's see. How many? Let's see. Yeah, maybe. You know. I'll be there when the lights go out, right? Lights did go out. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> We're still here. <laughs> Hare Krishna. Yeah. Yeah. Is it floody? Do I need a boat? Yes. I'll go in a few minutes. Yeah, the lights are going to go out for the world here. You know. By the way, where was where was uh, Noah when the lights went out? <laughs> In in dark. Ah, dark. 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 Yeah, right. In Noah's dark. I always used to look for corny jokes to tell my kids because they always they like to tell jokes and then they always go, Dad. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. It's good to see you. Glad you and Holmes ball around both. Yeah, we got double bonus. <laughs> we gotta cover these things. This is it. This is the only. You know, we don't have Sundays. Oh, that reminds me. Uh, anybody got any ideas? Should we cook up some program for Sundays? Yeah. Yeah. What do you think? That'd be great. What was that? Something to do on Sunday. Yeah, Afternoon, evening. Yes. Yeah, so there's something yes. going on. You know, we'll have uh, here. You know, yes, that our same kirtan, kata, and some prasadam. You know, even if it's snacks, we can do something together. You know, at least we'll get to see each other. We can also do some home programs too. I thought, you know, this my house we could do, and whatever we can talk about it. But it might be nice to kind of like. That'd be fun. Do some uh, creative opening those. Let's yeah, go to Bali. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it's been a while since we had a program at your place. Yeah. You still live in the same. Still live in the same. Just yeah. down the street. Down the road from me. Yeah, I yeah. see the police report in your house all the time. Yeah. It's on the police report all the time. He sees yeah. innocent. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the sheriff was parked right out in front of my condominium last night for like a long time. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> but I think it was around 8 o'clock I went, I, I had to go to um, uh, Trader Joe's real quick. I was running out of yogurt. Trader Joe's has got this incredible yeah, yogurt. They've got this cream line yogurt, which is made out of real whole milk. 
You know, it's got a, a layer of cream on it. Oh my God! It's like it's like something you'd get right there on the farm. You know? it reminds me of Gitanagari back in the seventies. So anyway, uh, I went to get some yogurt because I wouldn't have any <clears throat> for today. <clears throat> so the, the sheriff was there. When I came back, he was there. And I thought, as long as I'm pulling through here, I might as well go around back to the mailbox to get my mail. And so uh, I go around back, and there's a guy laying in the parking lot, kind of half in the parking lot and half up under the bushes, just laying there, you know? So I thought, I, I immediately thought, I should get out and see if I can help this guy. Then I thought, wait a minute, no, like, I'm, not, I'm not qualified. Hey, I'll go get the sheriff. He's out front. So I went back around. He was gone. So then I dialed 911. And I'm telling the guy, hey, look, there's a guy out here. Well, did you try to help him? No, I'm not going to do that. Because I don't, what can I, I'm not, I don't know anything. I can only go up and say, before you die, chant Hare Krishna. <laughs> I don't know what to do, you know. Well, that's good. Living, breathing, living, breathing. Yeah, I saw him move. Before you die, the last sense is the hearing. So at least you hear If that's all you know, that's good. Well, I felt better I get some medical attention. So the 911 guy. Yeah, you know, the fire station's right across Swan. So they go, yeah, we're right across street. We'll be right there. And I said, well, did I do the right thing? Yeah, you did the right thing. Best thing to do is call 911 right away. Now, if you want to try to help the guy, that's up to you. I said, no, are you coming right now? He says, we started the engine up already. I said, okay, then I'm staying out of it, you know. So, and then by the time I got my mail, here they came. They were, they were there, you know, so. <laughs> I think so. He really, he had all the symptoms. Seem to have the sense. All right, everybody. Thank you all so much. Glorious, glorious to see all of you. Party party tomorrow. Five five thirty here tomorrow night. Yeah. Okay. I'm down.